Hello there, folks, and welcome to Christ in Every Word, a podcast of the Concordia Bible Institute, housed on the beautiful campus of Concordia University, Wisconsin. This is your opportunity to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the sacred scriptures with me, Dr. Brian German, Associate Professor of Theology here at the University and the Director of the Concordia Bible Institute. We're doing this series on Christianity and Genesis on the docket today, Chapter 23, Probably not well-known. I suspect chapter 22, the one we did last time, is one of the more popular chapters, the near sacrifice of Isaac. We know that Isaac was spared there. Abraham Abraham offered up the ram instead. And uh, although Abraham didn't have to grapple with death in chapter 22, that is exactly what he has to deal with in chapter 23. Again, probably not very well known. The whole chapter deals with Sarah's death and burial. In fact, just given the amount, I was looking at the the, the verbs used here, some of the Hebrew terms and so on. This is, this is a, an intense focus on death and burial. This is a lot, especially relative to the rest of the book of Genesis. This is a lot of coverage. And that should give us a reason to pause and consider a little bit about the nature of mourning. We'll see here Abram uh, doing that. And also burial, the significance there. This is something that, of course, uh, endures for the Christian faith. This is not something that is uh, invented by the Christian church when our Lord is uh, becomes flesh in the incarnation. This is something that is central to the one Christian faith, the one eternal church. And you'll see that here already in Abraham's day. What makes this so unique, I guess, I, there is, uh, of course, death in Genesis so far. I mean, think only of the flood, right? I mean, that's eight souls are saved and everybody else is drowned. There is not, however, very much reflection on death or mourning of death. I guess in the Garden of Eden, you will you will surely die. That's in the command there. But uh, I don't know what else. Um, Hagar in chapter 21 begins to mourn as if Ishmael would die, but he doesn't. There just hasn't been very much of what you're going to see here at the beginning of chapter 23, and that is this. Sarah lived 127 years. These were the years of of the life of Sarah. And Sarah died at Kirath Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abram went in to mourn for Sarah and to weep for her, literally uh, to wail for her. It's a term that's only used of Joseph later on in chapter 50. This is an intense grieving. This is a very special, blessed life. Notice how it's repeated in verse 1, lived 127 years. There's the number. These were the years of the life of Sarah. Yeah, you just told us that. You don't have to say that twice. This is significant. This is like on the tombstone. These, the days and the years our Lord allots for us in this temporal life are very precious. He created us. He redeemed us. He sanctified us. He washed us in the waters of holy baptism. He's forgiven us. He's renewed us. And even though... uh, lowercase d death is still a reality capital case d death no longer has any dominion over us and so 
this is a very special time, of course. This is a very uh, blessed life for Sarah. Just think of some of the things Sarah went through in her life, being grafted into this one true faith, being called out of darkness, wrestling, struggling, suffering affliction over barrenness for so long, and having to wait for the promise. Remember the Hagar thing? Sarah's been through a lot. Um, and yet, this is a very blessed and, and sanctified life. And so also in the Christian faith, we speak of this. At a committal, may the God who created this body, redeemed this body, sanctified this body, will raise this body. Again, all this attention on burial here. We're going to say more about this as we go along. But first, again, on this weeping thing. So this is a very special life. That the Lord has allotted for us. He knows exactly our times, our days, our seasons, our years. Sarah gets 127. And she dies in the land of Canaan. Abram mourns for her. This is, uh, of course, the reality still for the Christian church. The mourning, the grieving. Although we do not grieve as those who have no hope, of course, Paul writes. And so Abram does mourn and he weeps. This is kind of the, I don't know, It's it, Abe has, has dealt with death as it were, or this barrenness, lifelessness, and the near sacrifice of Ishmael and the near sacrifice of Isaac. And yet here it's, it's still on this side of, of heaven a reality that we'll have to taste this, this bitterness of death. And yet in verse 3, Abraham rises up from before his dead and says to the Hittites, I am a sojourner and a foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place that I may bury my dead out of my sight, out of my presence, from away from me. Now, that's an amazing thing. What that means is that death doesn't have the final say. There is a time of mourning, and that is totally consistent throughout Genesis, totally consistent throughout the one Christian church. And yet at the same time, death does not have the final say. There's more going on there, and Abram knows it. And so there is a time of mourning, but at the same time, he will bury his dead out of his sight. Um, This is not the end of the story. We don't just sit there and reflect on death like that's that's the end of the the story. There there is already in this in these first few verses an indication that Abraham is already looking beyond this particular time of mourning. He wants to bury her in this land of Canaan, which is kind of I mean this is he's a sojourner. I love this language of his citizenship is in heaven. We are strangers here. Heaven is our home. Hymnody has been, you know, built on this. Uh, Philippians 3, verse 20 comes to mind. This kind of, our citizenship is in heaven. We are sojourners here. The pilgrimage of this life. What is this place? We get a few years, right? Sarah had 127, and then, we are sojourners and foreigners here, Abraham says. Give me property for a burial, uh, burying place. Now, this is significant. She is to be buried in the promised land. That's more significant than just focusing on the mourning. It's this, okay, let's look beyond this particular physical death and reflect upon 
the future, the burying place in the land of Canaan, the very land that's been promised. The Hittites say, Hear us, my Lord, you are a prince of God among us. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will withhold from you his tomb to hinder you from burying your dead. Abraham rose and bowed to the Hittites, the people of the land. He said to them, If you are willing that I should bury my dead out of my sight, hear me and entreat for me Ephron the son of Zohar, that he may give me the cave of Machpelah, which he owns, that is at the end of his field. For the full price, let him give it to me in your presence as a property for, for a burying, burying, burying place. Excuse me. This is an amazing little interaction here with the Hittites. Several things come to mind. First things first, the body is hugely important. As I mentioned, God created the body. He redeemed the body. He sanctified the body. He will restore that body. He will raise that body. That body is you, body and soul, unto everlasting life. We will walk in newness of life. We look forward to the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. That's what we believe, we teach, we confess. So the body is hugely significant. And how you treat the body after death is also a profound witness to what you believe that God will do for that body. And so this long-standing burial of the body, and you'll see here this with Abraham, at the same time, notice what happens. This is, as I said, a witness, an opportunity to testify to the hope that we have within to someone else, to those watching, those observing, those um, of the extended family and friends, those uh, driving by the cemetery, those um, new to church or whatever the case is. Here it's the Hittites. How Abraham interacts with the Hittites, this is not just, I mean, on the one hand, this is hugely significant, all this attention on burial, but also how Abraham interacts with the Hittites is huge for how burial is a witness to others about the hope that lies within. So they think, you know, you're a big deal. You're a prince of God among us. You have this reputation. She deserves a a huge monument, uh, a tomb the size of the, the Washington Monument in D.C. The choicest of our tombs make this thing huge. That's kind of the world's reaction, right? Um, think about some of the shrines across the, the nations for, for loved ones, uh, beloved rulers who have gone before us. Think of some of the monuments, right? Think of some of the of the places. This is what the world's attempt to hold on just a little bit longer. We don't want to forget you. Um, We want you, your life, the memory to be preserved. We want some vestige of eternality, you might say. How about we do that by means of a big tomb? Washington gets a big monument in D.C., right? His presidency. He lives on, right, in this big old tomb. Abraham doesn't want any of that because that's not the that's not the end of the story here. That's that's not what he's after. That's not what what we're hoping for is just we got to preserve this the memory of you in this earthly life with great earthly towers and so on. That's the way of the world. 
that's our that, that that's like the the ultimate way to the bigger the tomb the better that's the best we have no it's not just how big the tomb can be or how how magnificent it can be decorated abram says i am looking for a cave a plot of land we'll see this cave business real soon but just a field kind of a modest um, just plot. It's not a, it's, it's not ultimately the plot. That's the, the focus here. It's the fact that, uh, the, what the future holds for Sarah. And that is she has an even better land. All I need is a little field, a little cave we'll learn, which is kind of amazing because early church tradition, uh, locates the burial of Christ in a cave. That word's not used in the Gospels for Jesus, although it is used of Lazarus, which is kind of interesting because there's a tremendous amount of parallels between Lazarus's resurrection and Jesus's resurrection, face cloth and so on, binding of hand and feet at the cross, and Lazarus, the rat, the linen garment, clothing, linen uh, wrappings, and so on. Well, anyway, uh, cave, however, will come up here. I'll say more about that soon, but just to but just a feel, just something that but the, the big deal about this is that this is the promised land. This is the land where uh, our Lord will be crucified. This is the land where where uh, Abe was promised to have uh, an everlasting covenant, an everlasting life here. And so he's given this uh, request and he wants to pay the full price. Now, the Hittites are going to say no. You don't have to pay anything, and there's going to be some back and forth there. That's in this next section. But the big point here is that just a, a modest plot in this land, it's the land that's important because of what it signifies, this promise to Abraham of something everlasting, ultimately everlasting life, and an everlasting promised land. That's going to be the hope, and that's what Sarah's death needs to signal as we look at his burial practices and the and the interaction here with the with the Hittites. Lots more to say about that. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. We'll be back in just a moment to the Concordia Bible Institute podcast. In the meantime, I'd like to have you consider this question. What is most important in higher education? How do you prioritize all the knowledge to be gained at an institution of higher learning? Concordia University, Wisconsin, located on the shores of Lake Michigan in Mequon, Wisconsin, just north of Milwaukee is an institution that is committed to excellence in learning, but at the same time realizes that excellence in itself is insufficient without development in vocation. We believe that God works through our vocations, our callings, in order to serve the needs of those around us. The mission statement of Concordia University puts it this way, Concordia University, Wisconsin, is a Lutheran higher education community committed to helping students develop in mind, body, and spirit for service to Christ in the church and the world. You can learn more about the over 70 programs offered at Concordia by visiting the website, www.cuw.edu. And if you're benefiting from our Christ in Every Word podcasts, I encourage you to support this ministry by mentioning it to others and by offering your monetary support. Please consider supporting the Concordia Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on the Contribute page. And now, back to the podcast.
Alrighty there, folks. We are back with our study of Genesis chapter 23, the burial of Sarah. Kind of an amazing little interaction here with Abraham and the Hittites. Uh, We mentioned that it's kind of fascinating how it starts with the Hittites and it goes to one individual. I mean, at first it's the Hittites. Well, who are everybody, the entire nation, all the peoples of uh, all, everyone who's who's a Hittite, every single person. I mean, it's just kind of vague in general at first, which is kind of significant. I think there's some there's there's some sort of witness here or evidence uh, of a witness on Abraham's part. There is a kind of what proclamation of sorts to a number of people about this particular uh, death and burial, how he handles it. It's like an opportunity to speak to a bunch of people about, again, the hope that lies within. And then it zeroes in on one individual, this Ephron, the son of Zohar, about the the cave. We talked a little bit about the cave. We'll have more to say about the cave, but the cave is first reference here. And then this field, which is kind of, okay, so field, cave. I mean, the field, it's in the promised land. And then there is this cave. And this cave will be referenced uh, later on in the chapter and also later on in Genesis. Where Sarah is buried, uh, Abraham will also be buried there in that same place. And then also Isaac and Rebekah and Jacob and Leah, actually. Uh, So this is kind of a big deal. And Sarah's first, though, and I think that's, I mean, Sarah's so much the church in all of this. She's getting testy with the whole Hagar thing. And then she's barren and yet given life and so on. This is definitely, we've talked a lot about this, Sarah as the church. And this is the life of the church here. Uh, the ministry burying the members of the church. Here we have Abraham, Father Abraham, burying Sarah. Ephraim uh, was sitting among the Hittites. And he says to Abraham, in the hearing of everybody there who were at the gate, that's, I love this kind of, the witness factor. This is where things were decided at the gate of a city. This is kind of a big deal. As a leader, he probably owns a lot, right? He owns some land. He has some cash. He's well-known. He's well-respected. He's one of these kinds of guys, right? And so this is a, the location is key. Hebron, it's real high. You can kind of see everything. If you go there, you can kind of see all the promised land. So it's kind of fitting, you know, you're up high. You can see all this where she'll be buried. And then uh, this is kind of a, this is a key area here at the gate of the city. People are going to be overhearing this interaction. This is like an opportunity to bear witness. So Ephraim says in front of everybody, no, I'll give you the field and I'll give you the cave that's in it. In the side of everybody I give you, bury your dead. Now that sounds like a good deal. Okay, well, I guess it's, that's that. Let's end the thing right there. But Abraham responds here. He bows before everybody. This is just, I mean, humble gesture toward everybody around him. And he says in the hearing of, remember again, how everybody's overhearing this. It just raises that question about what we do and how we do and why we do when we, when we plan a funeral. Why are we singing the hymns we're singing at the funeral? How do we handle the body and so on? This is all a huge, significant witness here. Abraham says in the hearing of everybody, but if you will hear, hear me. 
I give the price of the field, accept it from me, that I may bury my dead there. So you hear first, he says, you can have it. No, Abraham says, no, I'll give you the money for it. And then Ephraim says a price. My Lord, listen to me, a piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? Bury your dead. So then you're thinking again, okay, well, he got the upper hand and now he wins. He said, take it. Abram says, no, I'll pay. And now he says again, even though he names a price, still take it. What's the 400 between us? And then Abram listened, verse 16. So you'd think, okay, he gave in. That's the end of the deal. But notice what happens. He weighs out the silver. So twice he's told, you can have it. And twice Abe insists on, on paying for it. And even though... Even though the last bit there was you can have it, Abe still weighs out the silver, 400 shekels, even though Ephraim said, you don't have to give me that. What is it? But he listens and he counts out 400 shekels, 398, 399, 400, and he gives it to him. Now, that's huge. I think this is absolutely this is part, it's not only just like dealing and having transactions with the kingdom of the left. We kind of saw that with Abimelech, right? Pay your taxes to Caesar if it allows you to, you know, safeguard the marks of the church. What Give some sheep and cattle to Abimelech. Who cares? Make those sacrifices if you can safeguard the marks of the church. Talked about that a little bit in chapter 21. Here in chapter 23, not only is it that, but it's also the significance of a price. A price that needs to be paid in order for Sarah to rest in peace in this promised land. And we know that price. The price that's been paid on the cross for the sins of the world so that we can rest in peace in the promised land. Abraham insists that a price will have to be paid and that a ransom, uh, the, the 400 pieces of silver, of course, we'll have the pieces of silver at our Lord's passion, the betrayal, all a, a kind of witness in its own way to a greater price that he pays, not with gold or silver, First Peter, right, but with his holy, precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death. So the field of Ephron, which was to the east of Mamre, remember Mamre was early on when Abram was first called in chapter 12. He gets all the way down there and he has this, he's by this tree, this oak of Mamre, this well-known tree in the promised land. See how this burial is now connected to this Mamre business. The field with the cave that was in it, and all the trees that were in the field throughout its whole area was made over to Abraham as a possession in the presence of the Hittites before all who went in at the gate of the city. After this, Abraham buried his, uh, Sarah, his wife, in the cave of the field of Machpelah, east of Mamre, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. The field and the cave that is in it were made over to Abraham as property for a burying place by the Hittites. This is an amazing ending here. Lots to talk about. The Mamre thing is kind of neat, I think, because it connects this to the trees. And it connects it to the tree of Mamre, the well-known tree in the promised land. Which, of course, gets us thinking of the well-known tree in the promised land that makes this rest in peace for Sarah 
that gives her this eternal promised land that makes it all possible. So you have this connection and this mention of the trees here, and it's for a possession. I love the language of possession because in chapter 17, uh, our Lord promises an eternal possession. And it's the same word here. It's used as, as possession. So it's like a foretaste of this eternal possession to come. This is the possession that we have. This kind of this burial of Sarah in the promised land is a is a witness, is a is already she's already resting, as it were, in the eternal possession that God promised. There might be a lot to sort out still with this promise to Abraham, and yet Sarah is already uh, partaking of a possession in this land. And this cave, again, uh, brings to mind, again, Justin Martyr and some of the early church fathers spoke of Jesus being buried in a cave. Sarah is buried in a cave. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. So that just as Sarah is buried in the promised land and will raise to new life, in an eternal promised land, an eternal new heaven, a new earth, new Canaan, new Hebron, so also will we walk in newness of life by baptism, by being buried with him in his cave, buried with him in his tomb, buried with him in his uh, body, the body of, of Christ, which is the church, so that we too would rise with him and walk in our heavenly promised land, a new heaven, a new earth, the same new Canaan and new Hebron that Sarah will herself and Isaac and Abraham and Rebecca and Jacob and Leah and everybody else who lives and believes in great Abraham's greater son may have. I think that's the significance of this last verse here. It's made over to Abraham as property for a burial place, like from here on out. And again, uh, the, some of the Abraham himself, Isaac, Rebecca, Jacob, Leah, from here on out, um, ad infinitum, you might even say, until our Lord returns. This is the significance. This one chapter of uh, Sarah is not just a one-off. What happens here bears witness to Christian burial, to Christian hope, to the Christian confession of the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. This is an eternal significance here of this chapter. So as much as it might be kind of unknown or not that well known and uh, seemingly maybe redundant or, or too much focus on just the burial, this is an absolutely rich witness to our hope of a new heaven and a new earth because of the person and work of Christ, who is, as our tagline says, in every word of it. I think we'll call it there. Great stuff. Genesis chapter 23. Tune in next time. We'll talk a little bit more 
about Christianity in the book of Genesis with chapter 24. The mission of the Concordia Bible Institute is to provide Christ-centered Bible instruction from distinguished experts who teach Christ in every word of the Old and New Testaments to strengthen faith and spread belief in the one true God. Again, if you benefit from this podcast series, I encourage you to consider supporting the Bible Institute by going to our website, www.concordiabible.org, and clicking on our Contribute page. Until next time, my friends, I'm Dr. Brian German, wishing you all God's blessings in Christ Jesus our Lord. 